Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's time for Let's Talk Real Estate, your weekly BS with Barry Saywitz about the current commercial real estate market here in Southern California. As we take a no BS look at both sides of the issues driving the market today with the man who's been on both sides, Barry Saywitz. Hey, Paul, good morning. Uh, we're back here again. We're going to talk some more real estate. I'm Barry Saywitz, president of the Saywitz Company and Saywitz Properties. And in my 30 plus years in the commercial real estate business, I've been on all sides of the deal as both a seller and a buyer, landlord and a tenant, broker and a principal. And I've learned to take a hard look at both sides and finding the best solutions in commercial real estate transactions and try and manage the ebbs and flows of the commercial real estate market. And so we are back here today. Uh, Today's topic is industrial real estate, one of my favorite sectors of the market, and certainly in today's environment, uh, one of the hottest markets. Uh, Before we get going, I want to do today's shout out to all of our uh, military personnel uh, and everyone who serves uh, this country, uh, today being the anniversary of the bombing of Pearl Harbor. Uh, We appreciate all of uh, everything that you do to protect us, uh, the police, uh, all of the armed services. So thank you for your efforts. And uh, as always, Uh, with me today uh, is Steve Pearson, executive vice president, principal of Down Commercial Real Estate, uh, one of the stable commercial real estate brokers in Southern California and on the West Coast. Um, Steve, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, so let's talk real estate. Uh, I love it. Industrial, I've been waiting for weeks to talk about this. Every time we have other people on the show and we talk about other segments, it always kind of comes back to, hey, the industrial real estate market is as hot as it could be. And I guess the question is, I want to delve into that today in terms of understanding why and how and where it's going. But in order to do that, I think it's important to take a look back. I mean, you've been in commercial real estate for most of your adult life and at least five or six years now, right? <laughs> yeah, times eight. Yeah. So you've been in Orange County for, for longer than I have, and you've seen sort of the development and the growth of the market. And, and we were talking about it earlier. Orange County started out as uh, orange groves, right? And it was agricultural land and over time started to develop into an area where it was mostly industrial. It was not an office hub. It was not a housing hub. It was a sort of stopping point between LA and San Diego once upon a time. That's right. Uh, I used to uh, work with my dad. He was in construction in the uh, early 70s. And uh, that was the days when Collins Radio, you know, was one of the big tenants down in the, uh, what was then called the Irvine Irvine Industrial Complex, which is now the IBC. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that was back in the day when uh, land around the airport was a buck a foot. Yeah, I mean, they were giving it away in today's standards. Yeah, now it's more like 150 a foot. And so you have, uh, at least around the airport area, so, so as time went on, those buildings got developed in the IVC. In today's world, a lot of those buildings are what you'd call older, obsolete kind of buildings with lower ceiling height. Uh, and uh, not the kind of amenities that people need in, in today's uh, environment for doing what they need to do industrial-wise. And so, you know, what has happened over time in terms of the development of industrial space in Orange County? I mean, we've seen it in, uh, grow in North County. We've seen it grow down in the spectrum. Um, and, and so what is happening today in the airport area as far as those older buildings go? Well, the IBC has gone through a couple of couple of changes over the last uh, 20, 30 years. Uh, you know, first, the low ceiling, 18-foot uh, clear industrial buildings that were uh, built in the 70s. Uh, 
they started getting more valuable and there were more companies that wanted to put more people in them. So the developers started slicing off pieces of the building, adding mezzanines to it, uh, more parking, and made them into flex tech type buildings. Uh, then office started catching on. Uh, more companies from L.A. started wanting to position down around the Orange County Airport. Uh, so a lot of those industrial buildings got uh, torn down for office buildings. Uh, and then here, 10 years ago, the uh, office buildings uh, are in less favor because they'd overbuilt them. Uh, so well, we were still short on housing. You know, so the apartment developers come in and buy out the properties, uh, or many of the properties, and start building uh, apartment properties. Yeah, I mean, it seems like the industrial historically has had waves of going in and out of favor. I, I remember, you know, not that long ago, a few years back, they were taking the industrial buildings and converting them into what we'd call, you know, creative office, where they basically just polish up the floors and have the high ceiling and the tech and the millennial type companies kind of like that space. And they were actually charging a premium over regular office space, which was boggling my mind that somebody would pay the premium. And then it was two or three times what it used to rent for as industrial space. Right. Right. Well, and now we're seeing um, developers uh, looking to the logistics side of things and bringing, bringing buildings in for uh, companies like Amazon. Uh, uh, in fact, there's a recent land sale uh, there on Jamboree uh, right next to the uh, Boardwalk office property. It was yep. supposed to be a um, kind of a new wave uh, off, or excuse me, hotel development. And I think it was Black Creek that just bought it at $142 a square foot land value. And they're going to supposedly build a high cube uh, industrial distribution on it. It's interesting. And so the hotel's not going forward. I mean, they still have the sign up. I just drove right. by it yesterday. No, as of this last week, supposedly the plan is to go for last mile distribution. Huh, interesting. Right in the heart of Jamboree and the corridor between right. the 405 and Fashion Island. Yeah, but remember what 30, 40 years ago used to be loaded with sewing machines when, you know, we had a garment manufacturer there right next door. That's true. St. John Nitz. Right. And I bought some land from St. John Nitz, and I think we paid $10 a foot back in the day. Mm -hmm. And I think today it's probably $150 a foot. Right. So that's what happens. So l let's talk about the industrial market from a leasing perspective. I, I want to talk from the – we'll start with the tenant side of the perspective. So if you're a tenant and you want to go, let's just say, lease or buy uh, industrial space in Orange County, how, how tough is it in today's market? <laughs> On a scale of 1 to 10 – 11. Yeah, that's what I was going to yeah. say. 11, yeah, right? 11. I mean, it is tough goings. Right. Well, so, yeah, it is. The, you know, the vacancies are almost nil. I think they're 1% to 2% in most parts of, of Orange County. Uh, there is a new construction going on where uh, developers have come in and uh, torn down old structures and are, are building uh, new. In fact, uh, many of those aren't even priced uh, because. There's been such an inflation in uh, lease values in industrial properties, particularly in Orange County, that they think the developers figure <clears throat> they're not going to put a price on it until they have a CO, until a certificate of occupancy, and they're ready to uh, take on a tenant. Or, or I guess, you know, my favorite rental rate of all, they say, well, what's the, people always ask me, well, what's the market for this? And I say, well, it's, it's the most popular rent there is. It's called withheld. Right. So they don't give you the rate until you tell them that you like the building and who you are. And then there's a range of what I was thinking. And I'll give you a number once you tell me you like it. And uh, yeah. But if you were a developer, would you do it any differently? I mean, we've got inflation at, what, 6% right now nationally. 
and I would argue in the real estate side of things, industrially, it's probably in the mid-teens uh, yeah. on, on annual inflation. And what you're seeing, uh, I'm curious your take on it, but at least what we're seeing on our brokerage side of things is the each deal is more expensive than the last deal. And so if, if pick a number, if the rent was a dollar square foot, tomorrow's rent is a dollar five. And it, it's not slow moving, and there's really no rhyme or reason to it. And part of it is just testing the market because there really is nothing to compete with or compare to. And it's really just a function of how badly somebody needs this space and what they'll pay. Are, are you seeing that out in the trenches with your guys? Yes, for the most part, it's it's supply demand, it's a labor location, and it's uh, you know where the where that particular user has to go for its product and where its employees live. I mean, if, if that's tied him into Orange County, he's going to pay whatever he has to pay to, to, um, make the, or to stay in Orange County. Now, there are more and more taking looks outside. Used to be you could almost save half by going into the Inland Empire, but then you pick up a commute, but maybe you're closer to your employment base. But now those prices have gone up uh, quite a bit. Uh, you know, we're seeing... 80, 90 cent rents on, on uh, industrial boxes in, uh, in the Inland Empire uh, versus a buck and a quarter, buck and a half rents. Uh, these are monthly per yeah. square foot in, in uh, Orange County. And, and even more than that in Los Angeles. Right. Uh, yes. and so, it, yeah, I agree with you 100%. And then the issue, too, is that if I'm a tenant and I have yesterday's rent where I signed a lease five years ago and that lease is now coming up, Five years ago, I might have signed a lease at 60 or 70 cents a square foot, and that lease would have had some annual increase that went up, you know, uh, percentage-wise each year. But at today, at the end of my lease, I might be at 75 cents a square foot, and now you're telling me the Inland Empire is 80 or 90, or if I want to stay put where I'm at, I'm going to pay a dollar to a dollar fifty, depending upon where the market is. And so either way, I'm looking at a price increase. Either way, I'm looking at a hit to my bottom line. And then to downgrade to go to an inferior location where my employees have to drive, I have to drive, somebody has to deal with traffic, I have inefficiencies, and I have to move, and I have the disruption of it. I'm paying more money and getting less, or I'm paying even more money and just stand put. All of that's true, um, but remember, uh, we're in a... Um we're in a high uh, demand for employees right now. Uh, I mean, COVID kind of knocked the blocks off of uh, a, a steady uh, job growth out there. And uh, it's changed the, the rules on who works from home and who works back in the office. And industrially, uh, a lot of, particularly the manufacturers uh, in Orange County, uh, very concerned that if they uh, relocated outside of their current area, that they would lose the uh, attractiveness of the engineers or of the um, the welders or of the you know the technically trained uh, yeah. employees that they have, uh, and remember, typically um, uh, facilities cost you know, roughly five percent of the overall expenses uh, for a company, and I think uh, we've probably uh, it, it, they're going to have to do the math. They're going to say, okay, do, if I'm going to grow, uh, do I take those risks of making the change to get a larger space to pay more rent to get more business. You know, am I going to get more business out of that? Or yeah. am I turning away business? Uh, well, and, and certainly from the manufacturer standpoint, I can't afford to be down, right? I can't afford. Right. I'm already backed up in many cases with COVID and supply chain issues. 
Um, I, I agree. I mean, we hear it all the time, which is, hey, there's no way I can move. And so then your fallback is to, well, then I guess you're just going to have to pay whatever the best deal is you can negotiate for yourself uh, mm-hmm. and, and stay put. Which is part of the reason uh, many tenants have looked very hard at uh, buying properties. And yet when they look at three fifty, four hundred dollars a foot on the asking price, it's a big gulp. And they say, geez, you know, I remember brokers used to tell us it was a hundred, hundred and fifty a foot. Yeah. Well, yeah, that was 10 years ago. Right. And, and and it's all a correlation of what is my rent versus what would my mortgage be. And with interest rates as low as they are, it would be worth it for somebody to go buy the building, get a cheap mortgage, lock it in, and they'd be paying the same or in some instances less than what they'd be paying in rent. And so we hear that all the time on, on our side of it. Hey, I want to buy a building, right? And then the issue becomes once they go look and see what the prices are and they realize, geez, that's a lot of money, they go back to, okay, I, I guess I'll just lease. Mm-hmm. And so that, that again creates more demand for the very limited product that is out there. Well, remember, we've also got uncertainty, uncertainty from a tax structure. Uh, it, People don't really know or, you know, the businessman doesn't really know yet how he's going to get hit by uh, these new um, administration, you know, tax policies, whatever gets passed. It's still an arm wrestling contest out there, but, uh, you know, that'll have an impact on on whether someone leases or someone buys. Tax structures usually have a way of of turning the herd, you know, I I think it, it, it certainly did in 17 when there were a lot of incentives to go out and do it. Uh, but it also did, I'm old enough to remember the 81 Tax Act, which basically said, hey, go out and build anything you want to build, uh, and, and we're, we're with you. Right. And then in 86, they said, nah, we got a little carried away, so uh, guess what? <laughs> but the SBA loan today, if you want to buy a building, uh, whether it's industrial or office or whatever, is the best deal around. I mean, you come up yes. with 10% down, and then you can finance basically the rest of it, including your improvements. So if you can find a building that you can actually make a deal on and not get outbid or that works for you, then to me, that's the best way to go. The other interesting thing, when you bring up the tax structure, not to digress, but there's talk of uh, reassessing commercial properties um, and not having the Prop 13 and basically raising it to market. And it used to be in the industrial market, you had two types of rental rates. You had a triple net rate and you had a gross rate. And a gross rate, the landlord paid the taxes. And in a triple net uh, scenario, the tenant was paying everything. In today's market, I I would say probably 99% of those leases are triple net. Is that a safe assessment uh, in terms of landlords just passing those costs back on to the tenants? Um, Yeah, it depends on whether it's multi-tenant or or a single-tenant type building. But remember, even in the gross lease, uh, there's a uh, pass-through when it escalates. True. And so if you take away that Prop 13, what that basically means to the guy or the gal who is renting, Right. that the landlord is going to get his taxes raised by the government, and the landlord is just going to pass it right back through to you. No different than if the landlord sold the property tomorrow at a really expensive price based on your rent or other tenants' rents in the project and then cashed out, and then the new person comes along and says, here's the new tax price. Your rent just went up. Right. And these are real concerns for every tenant out there who is renting space that if the property trades – or if the tax laws change, my rent's just going to go up and I, I can't do anything about it. And then you have those 100 ships that are sitting offshore. Sure, with, <laughs> with all my holiday presents on them, right, and everybody else's. And so uh, you add to those kinds of things, and it makes it very difficult. So when you're a ten- so back to the tenant side of things, let's talk about term of lease for a second, and I want to talk about both sides. Um, num- number one, on the tenant side, 
my one logic would be, hey, I'm not, I have all this uncertainty. The market is hot. Maybe I should just do a short-term lease and the market will cool off and I can make a better deal later on. From the landlord's perspective, he might also think he wants to do a short-term lease because if he believes the market is going to continue to increase, then he would come back and get another bite at the apple and raise it even more. Are you seeing more um, leases structured in the short term or is the landlord saying, no, I'm only going to do a long-term lease because I know the market's hot and I just want to lock it in and be done? We're seeing really both. Uh, I think on the some of the smaller uh, buildings, you know, the five to 20,000 square foot buildings, uh, three to five years is still kind of the, the, uh, the average you know, lease term. Uh, but on some of the larger spaces, they we're certainly seeing 10 and, and in some cases, 20-year uh, uh, leases uh, because you know, the limited supply of space and tenant, particularly if in the logistics business, is uh, very aggressive and, and wants to make sure that uh, they've got a home for many years to come. Well, and think about it. If I signed a 10-year lease five years ago versus the five-year lease, right. my lease would be coming up and I'd be getting a 30 40 50% increase in rent. Versus had I just locked it in, I would have been getting a 2 or 3% increase uh, and would be much happier with that. But who knew, right? Hindsight's 50-50. Right, right. So, uh, so on the investment side of things, if I want to go buy a building as an owner user or I want to buy a building as an investor, equally as difficult as if I'm a tenant. True? Uh, yes. Uh, yes, it is. Uh, investors, uh, when they when we can find a building for them, uh, you know, are in the uh, are willing to to take between a three and a half and four and a half cap uh, on the income on the property, uh, and you know we've seen uh, prices on those buildings that an investor would buy be in the three to four hundred dollar a square foot uh, price range, um, which in some instances is more than an office building. Actually, yes, you're right, because you're seeing office buildings trade in the three to four hundred dollar <laughs> category. But remember, an office building has a great deal more capex uh, in it. Every time you turn over a tenant, uh, you've got what's tenant improvement today? Hundred hundred fifty dollars a square foot to right. build out. If you can even get the materials off the ship that's out in yeah, the sea, it'd take right. you, yeah, twelve to eighteen months to you know get the materials to do it. Right. So. And and the other thing is, I mean, rents in office space are obviously more per square foot just on the face. Maybe it's two dollars versus a dollar it sounds like the office rent is double sounds like gee uh, an office building should be worth more but in office rent uh, for those listeners and viewers out there that don't understand typical structure of rents in an office rent normally you would pay one rent and that would include the taxes and all the other expenses uh, the landlord then has to pay all of those expenses so his net rent if he was getting two dollars he might only be getting a dollar Versus in industrial, if I pass those costs on to the tenant, then the rent is really goes in my pocket or pays the mortgage or combination of the two. It might work out to the same, which gets right. back to why it might cost the same to, to buy it at the end of the day. Right. Well, I've seen several office buildings over the last 10 years trade for less than what they sold for 10 years ago. So Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and I'm sure there's an analyst a lot smarter than me that has figured out a way that that fits in the portfolio and they're going to make money on it. But uh, if somebody asked you, hey, industrial buildings will trade at a three cap or three and a half cap uh, a couple of years ago or even a year ago in the middle of COVID when everything was locked down, you'd probably tell them you're crazy. Yeah, and that's we've so far I've only seen that out in the Inland Empire with the larger, you know, 34 to 40 foot clear 
industrial new stuff or new product with uh, with good long-term leases in it but uh, yeah that was uh, <laughs> again my age when I got started in 76 the fulcrum or the uh, mid- midpoint on on cap rates was nine percent yeah of course we also had prime at 18 a few years after that so you know that inflation thing it's something to be taken seriously well and uh i don't want to date you but back in those days the inland <laughs> empire just smelled like a farm right i mean you would drive out there on a hot day and you couldn't get out of the car without getting knocked over uh by the smell because it, it was really just farmland and you look at the inland empire today and and to me that market as good as it is along the coast the Inland Empire benefits from everything going on along the coast, uh, industrial-wise, and has shot up just dramatically. And there are a lot of wealthy, comfortable dairy farmers. Yes, for yeah. sure, so. that aren't really farming anymore. They're just relaxing. Managing their money. Yes, mm-hmm. correct. So uh, so let's talk about Inland Empire and L.A. and Orange County because they relate together. And, and Dom, you guys have you know 10 brokerage offices throughout the West Coast, including Arizona. You have 150-plus brokers that are actively in the trenches that are working it. And so you guys have a a very good pulse in terms of of what's going on. But there is a correlation between these different markets. Um, And and I guess I wanted you to talk about that because as it gets more expensive for real estate closer to the ports in in Los Angeles, what does that do for Inland Empire and what does that do for Orange County going forward? Well, it it really comes down to uh, logistics. Uh, and, and location, uh, you know, clearly the uh, older industrial product in Los Angeles, uh, you know, dates back, you know, geez, I don't know, 50, 100 years, a long time, because that's where the, uh, the, uh, the population was. And as it started expanding down into Orange County and then out into Inland Empire, uh, they were, you know, seeking available land and, and value where they could expand their operations. So uh, the... Uh, product that comes in through the ports. Ports have been really the L.A. Long Beach ports have been key to much of Southern California's industrial growth. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and uh, so you, right now we've got, uh, I don't know, the last count I read was 100 uh, ships sitting offshore. They can't unload. Um, I've been told by logistics experts that uh, that's because you know, China is, has been working 24-7 for a long time and is much more efficient in putting a product out on, on barges and shipping them over. Than we are in terms of getting it off. We are in terms of getting them off. And, and you know, the, the supply chain is a complex um, system that uh, is going to require more than just asking workers to, or telling workers to work 24-7. It's going to require truck issues. It's going to require, uh, you know, container issues, chassis issues, all the things that move around, plus uh, trains. I mean, they finished, what, the Alameda Corridor. Is that going back 20 years now? It's been a long time that it's been in there. But that's probably still not sufficient to move the amount of cargo that's coming in through the, you know, through the ports. So back to your your question on L.A. versus Orange County versus Inland Empire, uh, I think the closer the proximity to the ports, the better the value because of access and timing of, of product. You know, we're going to, uh, you know, back in the mid, mid to late 70s, uh, everything, the, the discussion was all about just in time, okay? Manufacturers were going to get product in just in time to then 
put the next piece together and get it out and ship it. So you don't have to store a bunch of stuff in your warehouse. Right. Well, with COVID, now we've gone to what they call just in case. Right. So they're having they're having to put more product in warehouses just in case there's sure. another delay on the on the logistics chain. So which that's again part of the boom to this uh, last mile distribution. Uh, uh, you know, building of these three, four hundred dollar a square foot uh, uh, logistics building. And you're just back to if I, if I as a user have to pay more in rent, I will just pass it on to the consumer in some way, shape, or form. I have to at the end of the day. I can't just eat the additional cost of the rent or the occupancy costs or the cost to get that product out in the market, which is why you're back to inflation. You see prices increasing across the board. What I tell you is that we just have a quick minute left, and I, we, you and I could talk all day, I think, and uh, still not be bored. But in terms of where you see the industrial markets uh, going forward over the next 12 months, while no one has a crystal ball, what is the general prognosis? Does it level off at some point? Does it continue to go up? Where, where do you see it, and what are you guys telling the folks that you're dealing with? Well, that is a wild card question. Uh, because you've got uh, several elements that are undefined right now. You have the logistics backup that I was referencing earlier. You know, how do you resolve that, or can we get all of those components to the chain moving forward again? Uh, you have uh, midterm elections coming up. True. So, so as far as um, political issues getting passed or not passed, there's going to be a lot of arm wrestling that goes on about that, including the tax issues. Um, and uh, most of what I am hearing from the economist, and I'm not an economist, I'm just a broker that uh, tries to you know, help building owners and tenants, um, and most of what I hear is we're probably in for a 2022, similar to 2021, uh, limited supply, uh, rising prices. Uh, some of that's gonna depend on what Powell does uh, with interest rates. Yeah. You know, it, does, he, does he do the quantitative easing and start backing off of that? Uh, and go into, uh, you know, starting raising interest rates by a quarter point. And, you know, it's di- it would be difficult. It, it is difficult for me as a non-economist to answer that question directly. But I think all of those components play, play into it. that answer. For sure. And then you're still back to the simple uh, math of supply and demand. Right. And if there is no supply, uh, prices theoretically would go up. And even if they don't go up, I'm just going to have a tough time finding space, period. Uh, and that, I think, is the challenge that we're living with today. And I, at least from our perspective, I, I'm curious your thought. I think that's going to continue. Well, and there's one more wild card we haven't talked about, and that's technology. I mean, uh, yeah, we have labor issues right now, but uh, every time costs get up, technology comes in and eliminates jobs. Yeah. So I'm thinking we may save that for another show. That's a whole other thing. But uh, I'll tell you what. I think we're going to leave it there. I think on the industrial side of things. Um, if you need space and you are a tenant, uh, you need to get out there and you need to make it happen and, uh, you're going to have a difficult time and you need to understand that. You just need to take the cards that you're dealt with. If you own industrial buildings, uh, and, and you are an owner or investor of industrial buildings, you'll be doing pretty well here for the short term. Uh, and, uh, it's always interesting to talk about the dynamics of, uh, of the market and how the overall economy plays into it. Steve, I appreciate you coming on the show and, sharing your thoughts and your insights and your history uh, in doing this. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Well, it's been a pleasure uh, sharing those with you, Barry. And ho- hopefully 
those people that need things will call one of the two of us. Yes, and so much continued uh, success to you uh, and your company, and all the best uh, for happy holidays and a prosperous new year. Um, I want to thank uh, our producer, Sophia. I want to thank uh, our announcer, Paul Roberts, and the entire team uh, here at OC Radio. Uh, I am Barry Saywitz, president of the Saywitz Company, and uh, we will be back here next week talking more real estate. Thank you for listening in. Happy early holidays, and we'll see you soon. have it you've been listening to let's talk real estate your weekly bs with barry saywitz about the current state of the real commercial real estate market right here in southern california on orange county's only community radio station oc talk radio streaming live from our studio here at the university of california irvine's beale applied innovation center